0: Hi, this is Tamsin Granger. And this is Dan Abuhoff. With Tamsin and Dan, read the paper on Monday, July 22nd, I well, think it everything's is. Everything's out
1: of kilter, but there's a good reason for it. Because we are on vacation in Block Island. We spent Sunday traveling, the great trek to Block Island. It takes days to get to Block Island, but we did it in one day. Uh, on a day that was 99 degrees. And we brought with us no lesser personage than Sadie Abuhoff. Say hello, Sadie. Hello. Okay, so there you go. The podcast is saved. So we're a day late, but we're not
0: a dollar short. So Block Island is a beautiful place. We have uh, done the podcast from Block Island before. It's a little teensy-weensy island in uh, between uh, Connecticut and Long Island, right? In the Long Island Sound?
2: Yeah. But it's part of Rhode Island. It's not part of Connecticut. Right. right.
1: But yeah, but it's I... a small island. It's a small island. You can only get there by ferry. It's a disaster getting here, but that's part of the charm, because once you're here, you feel like you're in a different planet. It's so
0: hard to get here. Yeah. Some members of the family are not showing up
1: this year. Oh, let's not single anybody out. That's Zeke, we're talking about you.
2: <laughs> I mean, let's throw everyone under the bus. There are some people who could have gotten here earlier than they're getting here too. Oh,
1: that would be uh, great. To uh, yeah, up. No, no, no. We're not criticizing. We're not criticizing. The point is, when we were on Block Island, we feel as if we are in a different world. And you know why? It's because we're in a different world. It's right. uh, it has its own rules, uh, its its own behavior, its own weather, and its own prices.
0: <laughs> and when we first came to Block Island. Um, we stayed on a side of the island where you couldn't really see the mainland. You can actually see the mainland from a lot of the island. Yeah. But those first few years, we just thought we were, you know, in the middle of the ocean. Well, we kind of are. We had are. no idea. We're not in the middle.
1: But no. we're, we're on an island in the ocean, and it feels that way. But that's part of the charm. The
0: uh, other part of the charm yeah. is there's nothing here.
1: Well, not a lot of uh, there's the normal not, the not frou of, of everyday life. Yeah. Not a lot of fancy restaurants, not a, a lot of theater attractions, not no theater, uh, not much.
0: No cell service, that's for sure. Yes, I
1: know so, very, very little in the way of cell service. So
0: it's really an opportunity we're, to get away from it all. It we're, is we're spectacular. It's beautiful.
1: And yet we find that we are encountering a scandal in Block Island. A big
0: scandal. That's right. So the house we're renting this year is in a part of the island near a one local attraction called Painted Rock. <laughs> this is an attraction of Block And reality. it's a rock that's in the middle of the road, and uh, people paint it. People paint it frequently,
1: like happy birthday, so-and-so so and so, or happy anniversary. It's a big rock. Right? It's a big rock. Go Michigan, or whatever. will
0: you marry me? Uh, I haven't seen that one. Apparently, this whole thing started about fifty years ago. Yeah, in the
1: '60s, as a prank. And it get, and it gets painted like two or three times a day, isn't that right, Sadie?
2: Yes, I've seen three different designs today.
0: Yeah, it's crazy, but everyone knows about it and but everyone so does it. Recently, yeah. someone posted on social media some chips of painted rock in his hot little hands so we chipped off a piece of the rock right oh god destruction well, not the rock, probably the paint well yeah most of its paint at this point whatever it is but anyway it's, 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 it's destruction it's, it's, of it's, it's, a national monument it's a piece of the heart of the island
2: But here's my issue yes there are no rules when it comes to painted rock there's no one saying when you paint it it has to you have to let that be for 12 hours or whatever. You could paint it happy birthday, so-and-so, and by the time you drive by with that person, it's painted a different design. I understand. <laughs> Sadie,
0: the tradition so, is to add to it, but, it, I know, but, know. like, the tradition
2: is very laissez-faire, and then all of a sudden we're uptight and calling people out.
0: If everyone takes a souvenir of painted rock, there's going to be no painted rock. Do people go by and chip off pieces of Mount Rushmore, it's it's like I'm selling, sure people do. It's <gasps> like stealing
1: pieces of the moon that NASA collected and putting it on eBay and selling it. It's the same exact thing. It's scandalous. well, technically,
2: you're taking man-made stuff that back. I mean, no. I don't think they're taking any pieces of the rock. I think they're taking think, pieces of paint.
0: No, it's a destruction of a local landmark, and I it's think in the that, wrong spirit anyway. Social media erupted. and, and uh, Social media has spoken. But I have to say there was recently a, an editorial oh. in the local Block Island Times. Oh, there you go. By the editor, Lars Troadson. And he seemed to think, this is too much vitriol.
2: <laughs> well, the point of Block the, Island is to relax and let people do what they want to do, have vacation. We're spending all week, you know driving on these narrow roads with people biking, like, three people abreast. And we just have to keep saying to ourselves, everyone's on vacation. Let's all be nice to each other. We're not going to have a temper about this. So I get that, like, I get the concept of let's dial it back.
1: Lars Trotson is the name of the editor of the Black Island Times.
0: Yeah, how do you not know that?
1: You've been reading it for years, dear. So now you're getting an intergenerational reaction to this. I think it's a bigger issue than I... And I think Sadie has appreciated it, but uh, perhaps it will calm down. And Laura's apparently seeing it this way. Sadie sees it. So, Regardless, we maybe. had a
0: wonderful afternoon at the beach.
1: Yeah, nice day today. We're all relaxed now, and uh, you can
0: tell just how relaxed we, we are.
1: We are very relaxed.
0: Uh, okay, so back
1: in uh, on the mainland. Uh, we'll have more next week. Next week will be a very largely Block Island podcast. But since we've only been here one day, we have mainland concerns. Jack Vertel, the uh, guy who runs Encore's, the um, He's the artistic director. Encores is the series that we go to, Thames and I go to, that does three classic musicals uh, a year. Number one, they're not really classic musicals. They're musicals which would not merit a full revival, but they are good enough to be done in a concert performance. And number two, they're not performances. They're concert performances. So they're a little short of a full production, and they just do them for a weekend. But it's usually great. It's often great. And Jack's been running it for uh, 20 years uh and uh, we like jack i like jack jack wrote a book called uh, the secret life of the american musical which i've been reading it's a fantastic book and it because he teaches a course i think it's at columbia uh or maybe nyu about the american musical and he really breaks down as to the form of the american musical and how you write a musical and how that form has evolved and there's some real standard steps in terms of what the first song is supposed to be about what the second song is supposed to be about so he knows what he's talking about but in any event uh, he is leaving because he's going to be a consultant. He thinks it's time. 20 years is long enough. They need a younger person. Uh, he does reflect a little bit on what's been successful and what's not. He doesn't want to call things out. Uh, I don't know if it's worth going, naming the shows that he thinks are successful. The truth of the matter is, I don't know how to say this, but the shows that were really great on Encore were the ones that were done before Jack got there. So, uh, even though it's that there, really it's, true? Yeah, because his the ones that went to Broadway from there when he was there after midnight, Gypsy, The Apple Tree, and Finian's Rainbow, as opposed to let's say uh, Chicago and Wonderful Town, which were both much better, which before he was there. Um, but the Gypsy
0: production was good. It was good.
1: It was good. But you can't miss with Gypsy. That's a casting thing. You got Patti Lupone to do Gypsy. He's all set. And his his favorite moments are things that they were okay. Uh, He mentioned Follies. I saw that. You didn't, Tampson. It actually was excellent. Most Happy Fellow. Do you remember their production of The Most Happy Fellow? No. Yeah, I don't either. But we saw a full production before. It was great. Bird, It's a Plain Superman. That was only okay. He thought 76 was great. It wasn't great.
0: It was awful. But here's the thing. (laughs) What? That I got from the article. Yeah. Because we've been going to these productions for over 20 years. Yeah. Right? Yes. I don't remember a lot of them.
1: Oh, no. If you look it up, you're really reminded. It's hard to remember, but I do remember the, you know, the truth is, no, first of all, I think Jack Fertel is great. I think what happens is in something like this, when you say, okay, what are the ones that we can produce that are great musicals? Well, something short of great musicals won't be revived, but they're fantastic properties. And you take the low hanging fruit, and that's what they took in the first few years before he got there. So the best candidates, Wonderful Town's a great candidate, Chicago's a hidden gem. Those were gone. By the time he got there. And he's coming up with the second level of that kind of stuff. But
0: we've had some magical evenings. Oh, absolutely. With Seeing performances yeah. of musicals that don't really merit right. trying to go to Broadway. That's absolutely but right. But uh, in the moment, especially with uh, the performers, are usually top-notch. Right. Um, even if they are not yet, um, what do you call it, uh not so, names. Look, we uh, we household saw household
1: names. We saw Kristen Chenoweth there before she was Kristen Chenoweth. We right. saw Sutton. Lin Manuel Miranda, Miranda et cetera. We so saw it's, Sutton it's, Foster before yeah. she was Sutton Foster. I mean, you see people on the rise who are really tremendously talented. Uh,
0: but it does not everything needs to be a Broadway. No, look, it, it's, a, it's a fantastic
1: series. Vertel's fantastic, and he's moving on. So, so. what was that book? Uh, the Secret Life of the American Musical. Okay. It's really fantastic. Uh, Okay, Sadie. Yes. There's an article about working out. Speaking of music. And and speaking of working out, Sadie Abioff's name comes out, comes up. Yes, I just worked out today. And the Times says they've done a scientific study to prove. Guess what? Music enhances the quality of your workout.
2: Knock me over with a feather.
1: (laughs) I am so
2: surprised. It's a
1: big. It's a headline in the New York Times. It's a headline.
2: They're really cracking this case wide open. (laughs) Well, they're basically saying they put people in a study and had them work out with music, and then work out with no music, yeah, and then work out with a podcast,
1: yeah.
2: And guess what? <laughs> the music they were the most like happy and had the best workout. Really? How did they measure the quality of the workout? Uh, I mean, did they unclear. do that like physically? I think it was a little bit of that and a little bit of people taking like a survey afterwards okay yeah, i mean i, I mean it's like obviously power, it's, heart
0: rates power outputs okay good so it, it's clear that it's more fun to work out with well, music it get well, they, you going right? i guess part of the survey is trying to figure out whether it's actually more productive more well, they say
2: people are prone to what they call entrainment which is they start working out to the beat of the music yeah. so if the there's no beat to the podcast maybe you guys should like insert like a little beat behind your well, podcast wait, but,
1: but let's be clear when they they had them listen to a podcast while we were working out it wasn't the Tamson and dan podcast
2: who's to
0: say who's <laughs> but, but we do have loyal listeners who keep up with us while they're working well, out. that is true that well, is I true do know. I, do know people. So I hope this doesn't this, blow this it for us explains mark snyder's lack of uh, top-notch <laughs> Physicality at the moment Why don't
2: you just oh, call did people I, out Did I
0: name names
2: no, Well I, d- I do know people who Are distance runners and they'll listen to Podcasts while they run because You know at that point how many times do you want to hear Certain songs you want to listen to Yeah material. also you have to pace yourself yeah. yeah but I mean I listen to music every time I work out I actually Was driving to the gym on Saturday And I turned the car all the way around Because I forgot my iPod So... All the way around. All the way around. Yeah. Hmm. Um, So, yeah, I agree. Okay. That's the bottom line. I agree. (laughs) All
0: right. Uh, Tamsin. So, I'll tell you one thing about Uh, the Northeast. Yes. Uh, It's been H-O-T. Yeah. But it's also been super W-E-T. Yeah. It's been wet. And uh, we have water in places... We never expected to have water. Also, we have beautiful, it looks like a jungle everywhere you go. Yeah. Uh, and usually it can pretty much look like it's a desert in a lot of Julys in uh, you know New Jersey, etc. So anyway, particularly in New York City, in Riverside Park, uh, flooding has been an issue and riverside park is a wonderful park that snakes along the west side along riverside drive which is a wonderful sort of boulevard with uh you know uh, elegant and formerly elegant uh ho- not hotels um apartment mm-hmm. buildings and uh this park was uh, actually designed by your friend and mine frederick law olmstead in the 1890s and uh it you know it's It's quite wonderful, and it's been modified over the years with playgrounds and sports areas, etc. I mean, we used to live near 100th Street. We used to jog from, like, 100th Street uh, near um, Riverside Park. We could go all the way up to, like, uh, the GW Bridge. Is that, we did that in Riverside, Riverside Park? Yeah.
1: yeah. I used, when I was at Columbia, I used to, yeah. Go to Riverside yeah.
0: Uh, so it's a wonderful park, but, uh, it's been flooding and it's been one of the problems with its flooding is, uh, it's actually uh, compromising a three mile long tunnel underneath the park that Amtrak runs through. Mm-hmm. And, uh, people say that, you know, with water, with the water over, um, top of that tunnel, it's been getting heavier and, uh, you know, may not hold up against uh, all this flooding. So there's a lot of discussion of what to do. Also, there are grand stairways that become waterfalls because the uh, apparently the drainage system hasn't been updated since like the 1930s. Mm-hmm. And uh, things need to be improved. However... There are some people who feel that perhaps the park should just adapt and let it evolve into a new sort of uh, ecology um that uh, various birds have become have started to be attracted to these wetlands new wetland plants have uh, begun to grow up in what are now swamps you will see people ice skating in little ponds that have developed in various places. So, you know, some people are calling for a more natural approach rather than just trying to strip it all back uh, to and what it was. And those people, they're
1: not worried about the Amtrak tunnels, those folks.
0: Not everybody thinks that the Amtrak tunnels are truly compromised. Now, so, um, you know, it's an interesting discussion in my mind, uh, but uh, that might be kind of fun to just let nature take more of a course there all right well uh yeah i don't i
1: don't have no insight into the amtrak but uh,
2: i feel like that's not an opinion thing it's really like a fact thing yes yeah
1: well hopefully someone will figure it out but uh i, I it, it strikes me as funny that uh, water would i mean you could you build it you're something in a tunnel you got plenty of dirt on top of you you don't think the water would be a problem
0: well, well there's knew? kind of it, who knew <laughs> <laughs> it it's it's kind of, it dips, right? Oh, yeah. So it fills up with water, yeah, okay. the The surface above. Look, think of in... it
2: like a big sponge. And then when a sponge fills up with water, it gets heavy. And mm. then it sits on a tunnel.
1: Was it, did, did this metaphor, use that in the or- article? <laughs> was the word sponge in the article? Uh, no. Okay, <laughs> too bad. Uh, all right, baseball. Uh, just quickly, we have solved the big problem. Here's the biggest problem in baseball right now. I the Mets? We, no. It is that people say, on the, what you have is three things. Number one, you have too many home runs. Number two, you have too many strikeouts. Wait a minute. Who says this? Everybody pays attention to baseball.
0: I've never you said just that in my walk down my
2: the street. Everyone's saying There's
1: it. a Times. There's an article in the Wall Street Journal this week. Is this street like Journal the old cranky week. guys? It's, you know, First baseball
0: all, is not what it used to be. The only
1: people talk about baseball are old cranky guys. I thought we can narrow that down. Okay. All right. An article in the Wall Street Journal this week that says there are too many home runs. They're meaningless. But that's not a voice in the wilderness. There's an article in the Times this week that says there are too many strikeouts. And number three is you have the games are too long. Everyone says that. Even you two believe that the games are too long. I don't have to venture out of this room to get that. I was at Fenway this week. I was at a Boston Red Sox game. We were in the seventh inning. It was three hours and 15 minutes into the game. There is no reason it takes three hours, 15 minutes to play but seven innings. But if there are innings.
0: too many strikeouts, right? don't strikeouts make it shorter?
1: Exactly. That's the mystery. That's the Sherlock Holmes moment. How is it that there are so many strikeouts and the only way people score is at home runs? The games are too long. It doesn't make any sense. It should be, take longer if there were fewer strikeouts. And here's the reason. It's finally been figured out. The Times, by accident.
2: Is it the kiss cam? Is that what
0: does it?
1: <laughs> no, but that's a good guess. Uh, Justin Verlander. Justin Verlander, your favorite pitcher, explained what's going on. He said it used to be when he fell behind a count 2-0 oh on a batter, particularly a good hitter, he said, you know something, I'll just throw him a ball, it's in the zone, I know it's a good chance he's going to hit it because he's looking for a fastball, he got to throw him a fastball, and I'll live with that. doesn't have to be a great pitch because he'll hit a single, big deal, next batter. But now any time a batter hits a ball, it could be a home run. The ball's so juiced you hit anything, it's a home run. So now he says, I can't do that anymore. I have to throw pitches on the edge. I can't throw strikes. I'm afraid to throw strikes. So every count, instead of being one pitch, two pitch, the guy hits it. We'll see where it goes. I got eight fielders. It's I got a pitch on the edge. I got to throw a pitch that looks like a strike. It's not a strike. And it's eight, nine, ten pitches. And that's why the game is too long. Because there are too many home runs, the pitchers feel they have to strike everybody out. So you have too many home runs and a lot of strikeouts. But what does it result in? A lot of pitches. And that's why the game is too long. Okay? It's problem solved. I see.
2: <laughs> <laughs>
0: see, I think. Uh, yeah, I don't really know that, about that. That
1: was for old cranky guys. Well, uh, this is what
2: I will say. Yes. In most modifications to sports, yes. the goal is to make people score more
0: mm-hmm.
2: and make the game faster. Right. You're right. So I think we're we're getting the score more. We're not getting to make the game faster. Okay.
1: But if you did this, if you believe it, it's counterintuitive. But if you made the ball less juice and you had fewer home runs, then it would be faster because the pitchers would throw strikes. The pitcher, the batters would get more hits because the ball being in the zone, they just wouldn't be home runs. So they would score, and the game would actually take less time.
2: What kind of juice is in the ball?
1: It's not juice. <laughs> <laughs> it's the ball's. that's wound very tight. And the uh, the grips, the the uh, seams, the seams, the stitches yeah. are not as prominent as they used to be. They're sort of firm against the ball, which makes the more makes the ball more aerodynamic. Is that
2: also advantageous to the pitcher or no, only the hitter?
1: It's not. As some pitchers have mentioned, it's like throwing an ice cube. So some pitchers can't adjust. All right. That's, I so don't that's a story for
2: another day, I think.
1: It is. Uh, we're going to go back to the story we'll again go, and again. Back
2: to how baseballs change over time.
1: I, I, there's a lot of interest in this room on that, so I can only believe our listeners are interested also. Sue Tamsin. Tamsin. The the lobby article.
0: Yeah, lobby art.
1: Lobby art.
0: Um. The article in the New York Times, I think it's a little bit self-serving. I think it's meant uh, they're kind of celebrating the New York Times archival photographs. Yes. Well, and uh, so they uh, wrote an article about great lobby art Yes, uh, that exists uh, when, you know, big uh, com- commercial institutions buy fantastic things and put them up in their lobby to, I don't know what, um, you know. Impress uh, people. Impress people, yes. uh, perhaps uh, encourage the morale of uh, their It'll make it feel less sparse whatever. and scary. Yes. Um, and, and they mentioned a fantastic Olmec uh, um, head that uh, was in the Seagram's uh, building. Well, don't, um, don't they have the Rock- for years, yeah. and then and then it went other places, etc. Yeah, and they had the Rockefeller Center stuff, which is always right. impressive. Yeah. Um, so the question is, uh, you know what is uh what does it really do one of the funny things is, is sometimes um businesses invest in art and uh, then it appreciates yes hugely right okay so in some cases you have works of art that they bought for like 5000 dollars may now be worth 5 million dollars right. and then they say well To hell with impressing people and improving morale. We gotta sell this baby and do something else with the funds. I Um, I think our organization, uh, my firm, is in that category. I think we really they've they've made some good investments, and now they say we better. um, Well, yes, just to put a finer point on them.
1: No, uh, they haven't gotten to that. But everyone always says, "Oh yeah, we bought a lot of stuff. It wasn't worth a lot then, but now it's worth a lot." Uh, I will make two other observations. It impresses nobody. uh, It does nothing for anybody. So then the question is, would we ever monetize it? I think that would almost be too complicated and difficult a decision for the partnership to make. But maybe when times are tough, who knows? Uh, But that happens.
0: So you say it impresses nobody. This is a result of a survey you have taken?
1: (laughs) I I speak for myself as a representative uh, of the way most people think.
2: It's
0: the cranky old man opinion.
2: (laughs) That's what I think of you when I think of you know the way most people think. I was like, well, he's a common man. (laughs) That's right. I'm a regular guy you know uh
1: in any event uh, yeah but some people take it quite seriously and apparently we've been successful
0: so so really if there's any lobby art you like you know appreciate it now because who knows who knows it's well a... is that the worst thing in the world to get different art in your lobby no it's not
1: it's not there look there are people who have a business that no, is, but that I lobby mean, art you means. know
0: it's just kind of mean you know it's okay staff this is too good for you now but the iconic you know, pieces let's get something cheaper. It's for not you like to they're enjoy. looking at the
2: Mona Lisa every day. It's usually just like some really moderny like blocks of something with smears of paint through it's it. It's also the kind it's of not stuff not you, you you, you, can, you, you
1: can't sell the stuff in Rockefeller Center. I mean, you know, the stuff that's so huge and so iconic. It's not like someone can buy. it Well, you're talking about like
2: foyer. You're uh, talking about like frescoes,
1: yeah,
0: etc. I feel like that's Sculptures.
2: the stuff out in the. The courtyard.
1: Yeah, outdoor. Well, it's it's part of it, but not all the the stuff in the Rockefeller Center is out in the courtyard. Well,
2: I have the um, pleasure of working in a federal office space most days of the week, and and there are just a lot of pictures of the U.S. Capitol, really. Really? (laughs) So I don't think there's a lot of the U.S. Capitol, some of the Washington Monument, and a little bit of Lincoln, Yeah. you know? Lincoln so it, the
1: man or the Lincoln Memorial? So this
0: Memorial is the thing. just Memorial. If, <laughs> if the government had been a little more savvy about its lobby art... We'd be all set. We'd be all set. Exactly. The deficit would be nowhere near where it is now. Well, maybe they're buying lobby well, I think art that's now. when
2: you're told to walk over to the mall and look at the Smithsonian, you know? Mm. Yeah. There's a whole lobby for that stuff at the Smithsonian, I'm sure.
1: Yes. All right. So, Sadie, blow the lid off your next story, Bachelorette Expenses.
2: Again, I think... We have a lot of stories here today that are like, oh, yeah, duh. <laughs> so there's an article about bachelorette parties are expensive. Yeah, what? For everyone involved. And they're often putting people in debt. Not often, maybe, but there are, they put people in debt because you have these people who are getting married in their 20s. And, you know, a lot of people aren't, you know, making their most, their highest paychecks in their 20s. So they're going into literal debt to go on these. You know, long weekend vacations to different countries, um, different states, what have you. And I, I've actually heard
0: parents talking about uh, their daughters are reluctant to get invited to one more wedding. Right. Because by the time you, do, you have all the wedding expenses, especially if you're in the wedding and it's do the bachelorette stuff. Yeah. It's thousands of dollars. It's a huge investment. But everybody kind of agrees to it because... You know, I'm you get, doing it now. You're you're gonna do no, it. No, you get me? peer pressured into it.
2: Yeah.
0: Um, and they
2: say that it's a keeping up with the Joneses thing. People yeah. see pictures of other people's. Um, it's a, a social media issue because they see it all on social media and they want to keep up with everyone. And the problem is, before social media, everyone was just keeping up with the people within their friend circle or within their town. And now they're trying to literally keep up with the Kardashians and trying to you right. know throw epic parties that are rivaling the celebrities in some regards um so what's what's the solution yeah what's What's the advice of the new york times the advice is that you have to have a very frank conversation with your friend getting married and say hey this is what's going to fit within my budget and this is what will not fit within my budget that's not going to happen and if you have to drop out of the wedding you have to drop out of the wedding and it 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 does talk about how people drop out of weddings regularly now because of the expenses okay well that's that's good I mean, it's good in the sense that they're being responsible. It's bad in the sense that they're feeling this obligation to pay so much money to be friends with someone. Yeah. well, And I have heard the age-old line, oh, I'm going to do this for your wedding when you get married. And I hate that line (laughs) because it's like, what if I don't have a bachelorette party? What if we're not friends in 10 years when I get married? You know, like, that's BS. You can put that in the... In the grouping of, you're going to wear this dress again. Another BS line. <laughs> no. I'm going to spend but $300 on this dress, mean, and it's going to go down the drain. Mean, but
0: but you have to admit, you cannot say to somebody, oh, thank you. That's not going to happen. Yeah. You know, and I don't want to wear a fancy dress.
1: Well, it's not even a fancy dress, but you, if you're in the wedding, those dresses, it's required. you never wear you have them to, again.
0: I know, but then you can't complain. It's part of the deal. Well... No one's ever going to be honest I about mean, that. I mean,
2: I've heard a lot of complaints. That's where all but of not the, not to the like, bride,
0: not to the bride. Mm-hmm. Oh, you'd be surprised. You just not and <laughs> smile and saying, no. okay, I'll wear it. telling you the opposite. No, you have
2: difficult conversations with a lot of people. It doesn't always result in... It often results in everyone just getting on board, but there are fights in the meantime. I have
0: worn some super ugly dresses. You know, Mom... I think we have more recent evidence. We just
2: talked about how this is a recent experience of spending a ton of money... On weddings that wasn't i mean you said before that weddings in your day were a party at the church and that's it
0: right right but still i mean the whole dress thing still existed and we all just nod and smile with the the fantasy that this is much more expensive but now
2: it's three hundred dollars for the dress it's if you're paying for hair and makeup on the day it's probably 100 bucks for that um, you're pitching in for the bachelorette week, weekend, which is, you know, who, however, whatever the budget is for that could be $500. Isn't, you're paying that, often, for your... isn't
1: that often a destination thing? The bachelorette? It depends.
2: It depends on your group of friends. Yeah. Um, you're paying for your stay at the hotel. This woman was saying she was in, she was in a wedding party, did not get a plus one. And the bride told her to stay at the hotel the day before the wedding and the day of the wedding. And she, since she didn't have a plus one, she wasn't splitting the cost of the room with anyone. So she said, no, I can only do one night. And so the bride said, you should do Friday night because we're having a bridesmaid thing on Friday night. So her recommendation was to drive all the way home directly after the wedding on Saturday instead of staying overnight on
0: Saturday. Just making it it super inconvenient. You know, this is telling me it's just a difficult subject.
2: It is a very difficult subject, and I think the takeaway is, what confuses me about it is people are getting less and less specific about what defines a relationship, and yet more and more specific about the components of a wedding. We have to have these 10,000 things to get married, but let's redefine what a relationship means. You know? Like... Why don't we, if we, if we're gonna redefine all of that stuff, let's redefine what a wedding is and maybe get rid of it. Alright, this is too complicated
0: for me. <laughs> no, I'm no. on vacation.
1: Well, I was <laughs> just say I think that's a pretty good observation, today, but, but we can move on. But I think that's an interesting
0: comparison. I like that. I like that. Okay. Tamsin. Popular, but not very effective. Not talking about you, Dan. <laughs> <laughs> I knew that from the first part of it. Yeah, but so yes, it's the popular
2: that threw him off.
0: <laughs> <laughs> the, um, this from the uh, New York Times cardiovascular supplements and diets do little for hearts. Okay, so there's all this stuff that people are, uh, you know, take uh, with the goal of improving their uh, cardiovascular health. Um, and uh, some recent studies were done and it turns out almost none of them work. Some of them actually do harm. Okay, folic acid, reduced salt diets, omega-3 fatty acids might be a little bit helpful, but things like taking calcium with vitamin D actually increases the risk of stroke. Um, possibly increasing blood clotting and hard, hardening of the arteries okay also uh, other supplements that showed no evidence of cardiovascular protection were vitamins a b c d e beta carotene calcium iron antioxidants multi vitamins okay so nothing, works. so nothing works and in fact some things will do harm they say you know there's you know um some indication of a particular uh, omega-3 fatty acid supplement that might help a little bit but really what it comes down to and that's that's been most successful in places where people eat no, no seafood. Needed, right, right. Uh, so um, really, uh, it's uh, not found to move the needle very much in an area where people are uh, incorporating fish into their diet on a fairly regular basis. Um, another interesting thing, they looked at diets, actual diets, and one of the diets that is not... Um, uh, Let's uh, let me just read exactly what it says. Um, uh, Randomized trials show that lower-fat diets show that no evidence show no evidence that eating less fat, including saturated fat, had an impact on mortality or cardiovascular income. Uh, outcomes um so this has been health authorities have been um recommending these things for decades low fat diets um but uh, federal and federal government dietary guidelines still encourage people to limit their intake of foods rich in saturated fats even though they have these have fallen out of favor with actual You know, the actual health authorities on this. Nobody knows what to do, honestly. Also, the highly touted Mediterranean diet, with its abundance of whole grains, beans, nuts, fruits, vegetables, and Mm -hmm. olive oil. Also, most of those studies that said (laughs) it would be good for you have been found to be flawed. And at best, it's not harmful. It might do you a little good, but probably uh not that much the most the thing i found most interesting is it's not clear that low salt uh well, diets do that they much were equivocal about that they said it depends on the person right um low salt diets reduced mortality from all causes only in people with normal blood pressure right. among people with hypertension lowering salt intake reduced deaths from heart disease but nothing else and uh, what they seem to say is that salt affects people in a very individual specific way some people can tolerate a lot of salt and some people cannot um, so uh, anyway i think that's interesting uh, especially about the low fat they are still um, i'm getting recommendations from all my doctors uh to uh Incorporate low-fat diet, and uh, really, it's been scientifically uh, disproved years ago. Right.
1: Well, doctors are not always current. They're just going to be the most give you the most cautious advice.
0: That's a little depressing. Well, yeah. do you take any of those supplements right now? I do not take supplements. I really, you know. Also, for many years, they've been saying supplements don't work. If you, the best way to get the benefits of those vitamins, minerals, etc is to eat the foods they are found in.
2: What they always
1: say, Sadie, is that people who take supplements have expensive urine.
2: Yes. So mine is top of the line, I think, because (laughs) I take vitamin D, vitamin B, iron, biotin, and a multivitamin. Uh, Well, I don't know. And to be honest, I get my blood work done regularly, and they said that my levels have improved on many of those things. Okay.
1: I don't know what to say. Uh, it's hard to know.
2: Um, point counterpoint. Yes,
1: point counterpoint. I don't... Yes. All right. Let Let's let me go to the final story. The final story is called The Classic Beetle Goes Electric. So there's a car article on the Wall Street Journal. Now, normally Dan Neal... <laughs>
0: I have this, like, vision of Ringo Starr being electrocuted or something. That's classic, not the kind of beetle you're talking beetle about, right? Classic Beetle Goes
1: Electric. That's good. That's the way you think. That's weird. So uh, Dan Neal writes the car article. This is not by Dan Neal. It's by a guy named A.J. Baim. And he's just a normal guy. And he Writing bo-
0: about a VW Beetle. In
1: 1966, he bought it. He, 1967, he learned to drive. He said a, a VW Beetle was the coolest car you could own in California in 1967. And he felt the vibe, and he was very excited about having that car. He kept it over the years, and obviously it, uh, it diminished. And I don't even know if it ran anymore. And he had it in his head. And maybe he could restore it in particular by making an electric vehicle. And he found someone who could do it for $25,000. But he said, that's a lot of money to me. I, you know, I can't see doing it. And then he had what he described as a cardiac event. And he was lying in the hospital in 2017. And he said, you know something, if not now, when I've got the money. And he handed it over to this group, EV4U Custom Conversions in Redding, California, he said the toughest thing was giving his car to them because he's giving his best friend to a complete stranger. It was $27,000, and he says it's the best decision he ever made. He says, when I first bought this car in December uh, 1967, I used to drive it around purely for pleasure. I do the same thing now, and the feeling is similar. It's like being reintroduced to the concept of fun, and the best part is that wherever he goes, people get excited. When I take it on road trips, I pull up to a charging station next to a bunch of Teslas, and the beetle draws a crowd. Twice I pulled into Volkswagen dealerships to charge the car, and both times the building has emptied. While the car is charging, I give people a tour of the car. So there you go. Forget the environment. Forget everything else. It's fun. You take your car, your old car, you make it electric. It's turned around for A.J. Bame. Reason enough. So let's end on a positive note. Uh, okay, that's all the right. way to is raise your this, spirits. Is this
0: something you're planning for the 2011 Impreza? <laughs> you know, I hadn't thought about
1: that. That could be the answer. It's going to take something like Although
0: that. Although that's not really a car you drive for pure pleasure. It will, as be. I understand
1: it. <laughs> it will be not pure. All right. So we're going to spend this week in Block Island, gathering up all the Block Island news we can, and once in a while hearing something from the mainland. And we'll be back next week. I think we'll probably have a big crowd podcast next week.
0: Well, we'll see uh, what we can do.
1: Family, extended family, all kinds of things. Talking Set about all kinds of subjects. Set the next
0: to uh, painted rock.
1: Yeah, well, I'll, <laughs> I'll give you the latest of all but to that story. So, until then, this is uh, Dan
0: Abuja and Tamsin Granger and Sadie. <laughs> <laughs> With Tamsin and Dan, read the paper. See you next week.